Good evening. I'd like to welcome everyone to our service tonight. First song will be number 101. 101. Wonderful story of love. Tell it to me again. Wonderful story of love. Wake the immortal strain. Angels with rapture announce it. Shepherds with wonder receive it. Sinner, won't you believe it? Wonderful story of Song before opening prayer will be number 186. 186. After the song, we'll be led in prayer by Ryan Blunt. <clears throat> I found my Lord, and He is mine. He won me by His love. I'll serve him all my years of time and dwell with him above. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. His service is my sweetest delight, his blessings ever Blessings ever flow. I've tried the road of sin and found its prospects all deceived. I've fruit the Lord and joys abroad more than I could believe. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. His service is my sweetest delight. His blessings ever flow. 
pray with me, please. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this day and thankful for the opportunity we have to gather tonight in your name, sing these songs of praise to you, Lord, and I'm so thankful for this gospel meeting. Lord, just uh, ask you, please be with Brother John as he brings us a, another message from your word. Lord, just thankful for the opportunity that we've had to, to hear from your word this week. Lord, we pray that we apply this uh, to our lives. Lord, so thankful for our congregation, each and every member. Lord, so thankful for those who, who uh, serve here. Lord, pray a special blessing for our elders as they help shepherd our flock and our deacons and the many ministries that they help support. Brother Tom, Lord, just know that there's so many who work here behind the scenes, and we're just so thankful uh, for everyone. Lord, we'll pray for our sick, and specifically, Lord, we'll remember Suzanne Davis tonight. Just pray that you please be with her and uh, heal her. Lord, we also want to uh, remember Sister Patsy Heron, her upcoming surgery. Lord, we just pray that that's a success. We're thankful for her diagnosis today, and I pray that you be with her during surgery and, and, and recovery. Lord, we ask for your, your hand of comfort to be on Pat Warren's family tonight, Lord, the passing of her granddaughter. Lord, we're just very saddened by this news and know that uh, you can help comfort the family, Lord, as we remember them in their time of loss. Lord, I know there's others who I haven't mentioned. We're so thankful for the avenue of prayer that we have to lift our concerns up to you and acknowledge that you, you have a will for us, that you have a plan, Lord, and that you're in control in all things. Lord, we pray for our nation, pray for our leaders, pray for our, our military, those who are currently serving. Lord, we just ask for your protection on, on them, those families who are sacrificing without their loved ones as, the, as they serve. Lord, I pray that you please be with them. And I also want to pray for our veterans, those who have served in the past and so many who have uh, given so much. Many have given their lives and others have given their health. Lord, just ask that you please uh, be with them and, and bless them. Lord, we just want to thank you for Jesus. So thankful that he, he left heaven to live as a man and ultimately gave himself up on a cross. That he shed his blood on our behalf and that blood washes away our sins. It's through his name that we pray. Amen. If you'd like to mark your song books, our song invitation after the lesson will be number 608. 608. For the lesson, stand and sing number 546. 546. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Bring we home, that stay from your heart to God, saints the chastening rod, saints way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Jesus coming soon, morning or night or noon, many will meet their doom, drops will sound. Meet in the sky, go where no one died, heavenward bound. Love so many cold, losing their home of gold. This God's word is told, he was about. When these signs come to pass, near the end at last. Come very fast, troubles will sound. Jesus coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom, troubles will sound. All the dead shall rise, rights meet in the sky. will soon be your hat forevermore when we on that shore free from all care rising up in the sky tell this world goodbye home we then will fly 
Please. Well, we're excited to have had Brother John Cantrell here with Jennifer, his wife, and it's uh, kind of a sad night for it to come to an end, but we've enjoyed making new friends, and uh, we've also had Hannah here uh, with them. Hannah told her mom that they have to come back to Stroudsville because she has so many friends here now, or Ella, I'm sorry, Ella, and so we're just glad that Ella has enjoyed her time here, and um, we've enjoyed getting to know t- John and Jennifer and Ella, and, and um, he said a lot of kind things about Stroudsville, the maturity and spiritual nature of the congregation, so I wanted to pass that along to each of you. For those of you that are visiting or maybe don't know John, uh, he's preaching at the South Harpeth Congregation, he's a bivocational preacher, he's been there 15 years, and we're just thrilled to have him here and uh, he told me he's going to be bringing us a lesson tonight from the Old Testament, so we're excited to hear that lesson. And so we're uh, thankful for the messages he's brought us. They've been uh, from the Scripture and challenges from the Gospel of John. So we'll turn our lesson, uh, our pulpit over tonight to John to bring us another lesson. And thank you so much for your time here, John. Well, I'm going to be sad tomorrow night. We are talking on the way over here, and we were saying... The three of us, we're going to be sad. This has been such an uplift. I've looked forward to being here, and I ran off and forgot my belt. <laughs> oh, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a gospel meeting that goes down in the record book if this, these pants don't stay up. Pray for my pants. Okay. I'll let you know. Thank you all so much. I, I cannot begin... And I'm just so I'm so humbled that you have allowed me to be here. Thank you, and I, I do hope and pray that we are able to come back uh, soon and be with you all. I may I may try to sneak and uh, join you all for your men's breakfast, and I'm looking forward to that, uh, and looking forward to other times when we can be together. But I just want to sit down and and listen to this great man preach the gospel. You have such a blessed, you are so blessed to have such a great man in the pulpit. And I want to thank publicly uh, the Paines for all that they have, have done for us and meant to us. And uh, you cannot be around them without feeling closer to the Lord and more aware of your own need to be closer to the Lord and your own need to be more humble. And I know that you have the privilege of, stand, of, of listening and being around them, and, and what, a, what an honor. I also appreciate the fact that he showed me he has like 20 years of, of uh, slides that he has, uh, you know, been willing to pass on. He didn't say he was, but I'm hoping that he'll pass them on. Therefore, I won't have to write any sermons. That would be really good. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much. We have a, another, uh, forgive me, We've got another former preacher in the house, and I always get very nervous when we do, but tell me your name one more time. I apologize. Eric Darrell. Brother, Brother Darrell is with us, and you all know him. It has been an honor to speak with him just for a few minutes before we came in. And thank you to the both of them. We had another preacher in the house last night. I do a lot better when I, know we, when I don't know that until it's over. I get very nervous. And it's just because... When I'm the most underprepared is when we have preachers show up at South Harpeth. And I know they always think, how in the world has this guy stayed here so long? Let's go to Second Kings 5, enough of this chit-chat. Let's get into the Word tonight. That's what you came for. Second Kings 5, we're going to talk about the Lord and what he did in a very powerful way through his servant. We would agree that sin is our problem. And 
we are were made to be in communion with the Lord. We were made to walk in the cool of the garden with our Lord. And sin entered into the world when we bought into the lie, as we said, uh, really every night. But we said last night, uh, here, here comes Satan saying, did God really say? Well, he, he's just trying to keep you down. And sin is something that we all have to deal with. And we've, we've mentioned that quite a bit. We are seeking ultimately to mortify our sin and mortify our flesh and change our heart, change our affections, change our desires. It's not just, and this is an important part, it, it, we, we need to be saved from the guilt of our sin, from the, the judicial part of that, but we also need to be saved from the power of sin. And we talk about the double cure of sin. Jesus provides that double cure. And we seek the rest of our lives, every mortal breath we take, to mortify our flesh and to obey the Lord even in a greater measure. I think you would agree that we will be doing that as long as we live. And, and when we think, well, I can look back, and I hope that you can look back 10 years ago and say, you know, I'm not dealing with that sin. I, I, that stronghold has been toppled in my life. But as we dig, continue to dig down deeper and deeper, we will always have something that will keep us engaged in this. We always have uh, sins that we will be dealing with, temptations that we will be dealing with, cravings of the flesh that we will have to address. It is amazing that even in all of our lives, just by example, you look at a social media, for example, and we must remember that even on social media, what you see posted on social media is not a normal picture. It's not from a normal day. You see families getting together and posting their pictures. We had a wonderful weekend together. Our whole family got together, and you see happy people. Uh, when, uh, you, when you see a couples and they're uh, celebrating their anniversary, and they look in love, and they're eating some kind of uh, dessert like ones that we just had. You see their children, and they all make straight A's, and they all obey, and they all are, are going to uh, Harvard, and they're, they're getting a, a job right out of the bat, and they make six figures, maybe seven, we're not sure. At Christmas time, we will get those annoying letters. My family is better than your family. Look at all the stuff that my family did this year. Don't you wish you could have been a part of our family, you losers? And what we don't see is the real day that anybody goes. You don't see the real story. You don't see we were exhausted because we worked all day. We went to worship at night. We had a great time there, but it's still, it's been an exhausting week. We got home. We uh, took care of homework. We got the laundry folded. We got the dishes put up. And we had nothing else to give each other, and we got into the most horrendous fight you've ever, we've ever gotten into. It was the dumbest thing we've ever talked about, but it was a, a huge fight. It kept us up way too long. We didn't even get it resolved. Now we're not talking to each other. It's not looking good for the rest. You don't have that, right? Sin is something which spoils our life. And I don't care how perfect you look or how perfect you are projected or when you look at someone else, you say, they have it all together. No, they don't. No, they don't. And you know that in your better moments. But no, they don't. They're just like you. Sin is something which spoils life. And when we look at Naaman in verse 1 of 2 Kings 5, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and in high favor, because of him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. To Syria, He was a mighty man of valor. Now there's the photo from Facebook, right? There is the photo. Here is the man. He is well-connected. 
he is the one who went out and, and gained victory. He doesn't realize it, but the Lord gave victory to him and to his country. He is the general of all generals. The part that you don't see on the photo, the part that you don't see in the ticker tape parade is this, but he was a leper. He was a leper. It was that part, everything was good except, everything was perfect except he was a leper. He knew he was sick, but there is something more dreadful than leprosy. I can die a leper and still go to heaven. But there's another condition that, if left untreated, will land me in hell in eternal condemnation. And so as we think about Naaman and his condition, we think about our own life, we think about our sin issue, we think about the sin which so easily entangles us. So we go before the great physician and we have an examination, Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes, what? The knowledge of sin. It is by the law that I understand sin. Without law, I wouldn't understand that. Without a speed limit sign or a speed limit law, would I understand what speeding is? Well, no, I would not. I need a diagnosis. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, of course, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then, if left untreated, Romans 6 and verse 23, a text that we talked about last night, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's good news coming for Naaman, and there's good news available to us. Verse 2, the Syrians on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. She gets a view that very few people get. Everybody else sees the the mighty general and the mighty warrior. His men see the man of valor that when he speaks, when he says frog, they say ribbit. But this girl sees through her master, through uh, probably with eyes and with a place that very few get to see. Maybe she sees him in his t-shirt. Maybe she sees the spots. Maybe she sees him in a less guarded moment, or maybe she just hears from her master, his wife, what he is having to go through. In my work with the city in Nashville, I have up at my desk Jeremiah 29 and verse 7. It is an exilic verse. Jeremiah 29 and verse 7, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. And that's why a couple of nights ago I heard a prayer that touched me so much. We pray, we could pray for a lot of things with our country, but ultimately we want to pray for the freedom that allows this type of thing to continue. The free exercise of our faith. She knows a man who might have a cure. And she didn't keep that to herself. More on that in a little bit. Verse 4, so Naaman went, went in and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. Now, he's been this mighty man. He's been victorious. Why would they not want him to have relief from this uh, most cruel disease? The king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. From one king to another, this is my general. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Naaman. I'm sure his fame was known throughout uh, that part of the world. 
And you can imagine what that must have been like if here is this general, here is this uh, entourage coming into Israel. So here's a letter of introduction explaining why he is there. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten changes of clothing. Now, there is a humorous part of this, if you choose to see it. I'm sending you my general to cure him of his leprosy. Can you imagine the king of Israel getting that letter? Here is this great general, and he shows up, and he says, I'm Naaman, and he says, I've heard of you. And he's thinking, what in the world is going on? Here's a letter, and the letter says, I'm here to get my leprosy cured. What's going on in his mind when he gets that letter? Either he cures this man or else heads will roll. This could be an international incident. So he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Verse 7, And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. Both the king of Israel and the king of Syria, with the best collective knowledge that they have, with the best innovation that is available, with the best progress, with the best technology, with the best of everything, these are the kings. They have the best of the best. They have access to whatever is known. They've got it. And yet... Even at its best, what the world had to offer at that point was powerless to heal Naaman. Like leprosy, man at his very best and at his highest cannot deal with his own problem of sin. If only, if only is thrown out a lot. And we turn to every avenue of innovation and technology and progress we can politically if we just voted the right people in if we just voted the wrong people out if we just work within the political realm to address and make laws and make statutes in order to address these issues if we just dealt with those underlying problems if we just legislated Uh, great problems out. And yet we know that in the political realm, there is great failure, or socially, or economically, or even in the realm of education. None of those things are wrong in and of themselves, and yet none of those are adequate enough to even begin to touch what is our true issue. It is an issue of sin. It is an issue of of the heart. It is an issue of the need to have a heart and a life turned back to the Lord in obedience. It is an issue that we have to be, our need to be reconciled to God. Not going to the right another deduction or another issue here is not going to the right one for the cure we need. We look in every way, in every place, to everyone, but the one we truly need to focus upon. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no one other, there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only hope. Jesus is the only way. And again, I've said it every night, but I say it again, I don't think you would be here unless you 
uh, church unless you had that understanding. I hope that's the case. I don't assume, though. We can come here and say, well, Jesus, you're really good at some of these things, but, you know, you're really good at getting me to heaven. You're really good at saving me for eternity, but there's a lot going on in my life that you just don't understand, that you just don't have a clue about. I mean, I've got a marriage, I've got a job, I've got bills, I've got children, I've got stress. Jesus, you're really good at some of that stuff, but there's just some of that I just don't think you understand. And Yet he was a man, just like us, yet without sin. He was God in the flesh, not just a mere man. He brought heaven to us, in a sense. When he incarnated, he incarnated from, from heaven, and yet... What we don't often think about is this, that he took, he took us with him. And what does the Hebrew writer say? He is our high priest. He is able to understand. We can go to him for help in our time of need, and he gives to us generously. We can go to him boldly, and he gives us what we need. Here's the problem. We are unwilling to go boldly to him. We're a lot more prone to go boldly out into our own way than to seek the Lord and his help and his will. Verse 8, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. You can see in this story how, how the word is getting around. Here is this great general, and he's come to the king, and the king can't help him. And what in the world is he doing here? And we're going to be in war again, and that's the last thing we need. There's great panic. There's an absence of faith. There's an absence of going to the right one, to the Lord. Not with Elisha. Elisha hears, and he sends word to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Understand, that was his goal. I want him to know that there is a prophet in Israel. And what he's saying here is not, I am somebody special. I want him to know ultimately about the Lord. I want him to know that there is a servant of the living God. Jesus, in speaking about faith, uh, Tom and I were talking about this earlier. There's a lot of lepers in this time period. But it's Naaman that is the one that is going to be healed. It's a beautiful reminder that the gospel one day will go way beyond the Jews. It will be for all. Naaman came came with his horses and chariots. Look at how great he is. He came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, now what was his goal? I want him to know that there is a prophet in Israel. But the prophet doesn't even bother to come down. I wonder why that is. I think perhaps it was to reveal, this is just my opinion, I think we, we see in this story at least a glimpse of the fact that it reveals his arrogance. It reveals his idolatry. It, it reveals his prejudice and his preconceived notion. God is supposed to work in a certain way. This is supposed to happen in a certain way. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. That should have been the point that Naaman just jumped up for joy, rejoiced, fell on his face before the Lord, worshiped the Lord. That should have been a moment just like we talked about with Gideon when, he, when the Lord says, you're going to win the battle. That should have been the moment that he worshipped. He, he shouldn't have had to go down and, and hear it from a pagan. That should have been the, the moment that he worshipped. This should be the moment that Naaman worshipped the Lord. 
Every bit as tragic as going to the wrong person for the cure is going to the right person with the wrong attitude. But in verse 11, Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away enraged, in, in a rage. We have a lot of preconceived ideas as to how God should operate. And what I find is that they never come from Scripture. If we stay to the text and we stay close to the text and we study, we have the revealed understanding that we are to have of God. But often we catch ourselves and we say, you know, God, I left everything to follow you. I left everything. I turned my life around. I was going down this path and I was converted. Why am I going through this difficult time? I have been faithful to you for years. God, you owe me. What utter arrogance to say God owes us anything. He's given us forgiveness of sin. He has taken care of the sin that kept us from him, and yet he didn't stop there. He gives us eternal life, the, hope, the hope of eternal life. Here, Naaman is incensed because this Jordan is beneath him. He is a dignitary. This prophet wouldn't even bother to come down. This did not happen at all like he had anticipated. Perhaps he had seen something along this, these lines in his pagan culture. Perhaps he had seen some form of this and it involved a lot of pageantry. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel. Remember the prophets of Baal are up there and they're dancing and they're shouting and they're singing and they're, they're cutting themselves and they're calling upon their God and nothing happens. And Elijah makes it so difficult for Yahweh, for the Lord, to ever light that sacrifice and within an instant fire comes. And as we talked about earlier in the week, that was certainly for the people to realize that the true and living God was, uh, was the one to worship. His servants came near, verse 13, and said to him, My father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? He Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? That's a question that all of us need to answer. Has, God, has, has the Lord Jesus provided the way through the cross, through his life, through his blood, for us to be saved? Who are we to sit in judgment of the plan of salvation? Who are we to sit in judgment on the uh, way that we are to obey the plan of salvation? We have an opportunity to be reconciled back to the Lord, back to God. We have an opportunity to have our sins washed away. We have an opportunity to live our life for the Lord. We have an opportunity to live with him for eternity. But notice, like Naaman uh, was told, we are told, and out of the mouth of this pagan servant, we read it. We read, my father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Here's the question, will you not do it. And it's the same issue that as we were talking about the, the rest of the time we've been together, Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus says, will you believe? He who believes in me, in my name is saved. Saving faith, obedient faith. And the question is, are you willing to believe? In Mark chapter in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is healing the paralytic. 
And he wants to use that as an occasion to teach something beyond just a, a regular healing. You remember the ceiling was opened, he was let down, and Jesus, we read in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, now that's interesting, not to get off on that, but, but healing often took place based on someone else's faith, but not forgiveness of sin. I think we've got to be careful in making a, a strong point here that Jesus forgave sin based on someone else's faith. That's not how it worked. As we said last night, God does not have grandchildren. God only has children. He's looking for all of us to go through that turnstile, to walk that straight gate. When Jesus saw their faith, which included the paralytic, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Listen, uh, if you will, to the old Amplified Version. When Jesus saw their faith, as in their confidence in God through him, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Your sons are forgiven you and put away, that is, the penalty. The penalty is remitted, the sense of guilt removed. And you are made upright and in right standing with God. Well, they wondered about that. Who is this that can forgive sin? Who is this that thinks he can forgive sin? And Jesus says what? I want you to understand which is easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk, but that you will understand the Son of Man has authority to do that. I say to you, arise, pick up your bed, and go home. What faith did that take? Here's a man who has been paralyzed. He has been brought here. What faith did it take for that paralyzed man to be healed? You know what it took? It took him obeying the command. Arise, get up, and walk. And it is in that arising and in that picking himself up and picking up his stuff that he is made whole again. He went, out, he went out before them all so that they all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So they talked to Naaman, who says, I, I, I want to do it some other way. It should have been some other way. We, say, we have a lot of people that we try to preach to, and they say, you know, coming to Jesus, it's about some other way. It's, it's always some other way. It's not. It is what is written in this word. Stay true to that, Christian. Stay firm on that. What is it that we are to do to come in contact with the blood of Jesus? Well, we are to believe. We are to repent. Acts chapter 2, we are to confess. Acts chapter 8, we are to be immersed, to have our sins washed away in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 is very clear. Uh, we were talking earlier today, it just hit me, uh, it just became so clear to me when I heard a preacher say, you know in Acts chapter 2, all they had to go on is what Peter told them. They didn't have any other part of the New Testament. The New Testament was not written. The New Testament was in the process of being composed eventually, but at, at Acts chapter 2, was any of the New Testament composed? No, it wasn't. What did they have to go on? Only what Peter said. So Peter says, when they say, what, what must we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. Repent and be immersed. No one raised their hand and said, hey, Brother Peter, Brother Peter, I don't think that's how it's supposed to go. I've read Romans 10, and that seems to say something different. That's not at all what he said. They just obeyed the command. Do you want to be a Christian tonight? Do you want to be saved tonight? Do you want to have the old man put away and the new man put on? Then you have nothing but the command of the Lord to go on. You have nothing but the scriptures. That is the only way. His servants came near and he said, will you not do it? And that's what I ask you tonight. Will you not do it? 
You know you need to if you're outside of Christ. Will you not do it? Naaman did. He thought better. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And as we've heard sermons before, it didn't happen in any other river. It happened in the Jordan. It didn't happen at the second time or the third time or the fourth time or the fifth time. It happened after the seventh time. I think about the walls of Jericho. When did they fall? What day did they fall? And how many times around did it take for that to happen? Did it happen before that command was obeyed or did it happen after? We must be obedient to the word. And so he returned, verse 15, to the man of God with, and, and all his company. He came and stood before him and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Because the man of God, Elisha, knows that there's something more important, there's something beyond. This is not an opportunity for monetary gain. Let's talk about a, a contrast. I want to go back to this servant girl as, as we, as the latter part of our, our just last few minutes together. Man is ignorant of the only way to deal with the problem of sin. Naaman was in what would seem to be a very hopeless state. He's come all the way just to be disappointed again. He goes to the king. The king doesn't know what to do. The solution is there in Elisha the whole time. The great and mighty king who had been sent by another great and mighty king was grossly unaware. My people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. Here is a snapshot then of the world. You would not be gathered here and I would not be at this podium preaching if there was no solution. There is a solution to our issue. There is a solution to help us deal with our sin. I'm here to announce a sure and certain cure for the problem of sin. The world, like these kings, is just concerned about great affairs on a large scale. Your headlines tonight, if you scroll through, if you watch on the television, if you read in the paper, however you get your news, it's concerned about great things. On a large scale, the king of Syria knows nothing about a servant girl in the army that was captured. If someone were to go to the king and say, Your majesty, we captured a servant girl from Israel, it would have been the most ridiculous thing. He might have lost his job. The solution is there. But the kings and the generals are just concerned with the great matters. The whole world is like this. They miss the real solution to the problem of the world because it's so different than any for which they are looking. The whole of the Christian message, the whole of the gospel of Christ was found in the servant girl. The solution to Naaman's problems isn't found in the courtroom. It isn't found in the palace. It isn't found with the supposed wise men of the court. The solution is found... Upon the lips of the lowly servant girl, in the lowliest part of the palace, not a throne, maybe a kitchen, maybe some other lowly part of the palace, out of the way, downstairs, out of sight, out of view. That's the message of the Bible from beginning to end. All the dynasties and empires, Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, the Chaldeans, Rome, all of the kings and captains and Caesars and generals and wise men, all that which secular history is interested, but the real, the real key to the history of the world is found in this little region of Israel and those surrounding area. Everywhere in the Bible, it's always bringing the solution from that area turning everything upside down and giving the answer for which the great and mighty are looking. 
Such is God's way. He chose the smallest nation. But this small population and little nation always has the answers. They are the ones who believe in their worship of many gods, but they never possess the answers. No other great nation had the answer that Israel had. And we don't have a lot of time to go through examples. Think of Joseph, the Pharaoh, the greatest individual at the time, the mightiest individual of the whole known world has a problem to deal with. He's got a famine coming, and it's this prisoner named Joseph. The psalmist tells us God sent him ahead so that he could save his people. It's Goliath coming out and beating his chest And little old David, little pipsqueak David coming out and saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? We preach David wrong when we preach. Go out and be like a David. David was the weakest, most, uh, the one that you would not expect. Saul should have been the one, head and shoulders above everybody, that went out and fought for everyone. But it was little old David Little teenager David who goes out as a weak, I mean, the odds were against him, and goes out and gets the victory. If there's ever a story about salvation by works and might and salvation by uh, what we have in the gospel, it's that one. We had a lone representative go out. We had the weak Jesus, not the military leader, but Jesus goes out as our lone representative and he's killed and he's crucified and he's put to shame. And yet in that shame, in that crucifixion, he actually wins the battle for all of us. What about Daniel? Would be very much like Joseph. The Savior Jesus is born to common folk and as a helpless babe. Kings knew nothing about him. He spent a lot of time, not in Jerusalem, but with the rabble in Galilee. There's no way this is our Savior. There's no way this one could be our Savior. He's nailed to the cross, buried in a grave, and they said, is this your Savior? Is this your salvation? You don't get salvation out of a kitchen. You don't get salvation out of, out of a, a stable. We want something big and great. The church happened, this, this same thing happened to the early church. A small minority went out and evangelized the whole known world. Think about the Apostle Paul would go to a city and know no one and start preaching to just a few people, and before long, the gospel would spread and a congregation would be planted. Even when Paul was in prison in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. He's not even wasting time in prison. Caesar's household is being converted because of Paul. There's only one solution to life's biggest problems, and the despised, forgotten body of Christ has the answer. We are in the kitchen of life. The media knows nothing about us. The world has never heard of us. What does it matter? We are God's servant made. We are the unknown, despised minority. We have the answer to the problem. We have the cure for the disease. It is our retelling of this testimony alone that stands between the world and destruction. We go about our corner of the world, our sphere of influence, pointing people to the one who can cure their sickness and heal their disease and make them into new people. She could not cure the leprosy, but she knew that there was a cure. What seems impossible to an exasperated world is possible for and with God. We sing there's power, power in the blood, power. Y'all ever sing it that way? That's how it's written. And that power is the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We had a prayer last night, help us not to be. We are not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes. Whatever it is that gets you down and ultimately condemns your soul, God through Christ is able to address through the cross, through the gospel. It's that simple. Whatever it is tonight 
that is your thing, that is your, that is your leprosy, God is able to address with the gospel. Like the servant girl, I point you to the only one who is able to address your deepest needs. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men. If you will but fly to Christ, he will remove your guilt. He can give you new life. As you obey the gospel, you can be born from above. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the world. A servant girl knows what kings do not know, and so do you. And you've got somebody in your life that needs to know there is someone in Israel who can cure your disease. It is the Lord Jesus. Would you put him on in baptism? Would you make him your Lord and Savior tonight? I apologize for going over just a minute or two. But I sure do appreciate your attention. And I ask you to consider your heart tonight, to consider your life, to consider your eternal destiny. If the Lord Jesus came back tonight, where would you be? Today is the day of salvation. Would you come to him now? Put him on in baptism right now while we stand and while we sing.
John, Jennifer, and Ellen, we appreciate so much your presence here this week and blessing us with uh, the opportunity to get to know each of you. Thank you so much uh, for what you've done, and, and we uh, enjoy having you now as friends. I apologize. Just uh, quickly want to go over some announcements. We have several on our sick list, and who's leading our closing prayer? Howard. All right. I'm going to leave this up here, Howard. Uh, very quickly, Patsy Heron's going to have open-heart surgery. Uh, Marvin Holt, he has an autoimmune disease, Shelby Knox, cancer, which is an aggressive cancer of the tongue. Uh, Roger Dale Holt, this is Brenda Holt's brothers in Skyline, multiple issues. Uh, Suzanne Davis, diagnosed with COVID, hit her head in the hospital today. Al Morris, uh, Jim Older, has um, been placed on hospice. And Monica Chester, sadly, we learned the granddaughter of Pat Warren passed away from COVID. So a lot of folks on our, our prayer list. Quickly, Heldell is having a Ladies' Day, August 27. There's a flyer in the board. Bible Bowl practice is coming Sunday at 4. And finally, Trenton Crossing uh, is going to have their summer special, the end uh, with Walt Lever on Wednesday, August 31st at 6.30. So just uh, appreciate each of you being here tonight. And thank you again for supporting uh, us as we had our gospel meeting. Appreciated John's good messages. And we'll uh, close out with Howard's closing prayer. Oh, yes, Beverly King has also been diagnosed with an incurable heart issue, and uh, her prognosis is not good at all. We want to remember Beverly as well. Thank you, Gene. I'll cause the song to be raining me. Over all the earth you reign on high, every mountain stream, every sunset sky, but my one request, Lord, my only aim, is that you reign in me again, Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams, in my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am, so won't you reign in Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this meeting this week and the strength we've gained here in thy word. We pray that we can take this strength out into our daily lives and, and spread the gospel to others and to talk to those Christians who've gone by the wayside to come back to thee. Please help us to always do thy will. We have a number that are sick and people have lost loved ones. Uh, please uh, be with uh, Suzanne Davis is in the hospital that she has COVID and fell today. Be with her and heal her. Uh, be with Al Morris, a friend of Jim Oliphant in the nursing home who's now been put on hospice. Please be with him. We pray especially for Patsy Heron, who is at Vanderbilt Hospital about to have heart surgery. Be with her and we pray that the surgery may be successful. Help the doctors should use their God-given intelligence to, to help her, but also heal her. We pray uh, for Roger Dale Holt, the brother of Brenda Holt, who's still in the hospital. Please be with him and help him uh, to get better. We uh, want to especially pray for Beverly King, who is at home with a very serious diagnosis. Be with her. Be thy well. Heal her and comfort her. We want to be with Pat Warren uh, over the death of her grandchild and 
please comfort her and, and her family. Uh, please, we probably have not identified some. Uh, we play for Shelby Knox, who had been diagnosed with an aggressive cancer of the tongue and is undergoing radiation treatments. Please uh, be with her. And, and there are just a whole number of sick and people who have lost loved ones. But help us all turn to thee and realize that with that when we follow thee we have a home in heaven and we be, we be able to overcome anything we pray in Christ's name amen